Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell here. With John Harlow, we're breaking down the South Point 400 from Las Vegas Motor Speedway, the inaugural race. Brad Keselowski turning into a Mr. September 2018 here. Three races in September, three victories. What does that mean for his championship hopes as 2018 goes along? We'll discuss that. Plus, several playoff drivers had major issues during Sunday's race. Which one is in a worse shape? Which one is in the best shape? We'll discuss that. The Xfinity Series, their playoff field is set. They'll begin a championship run at Richmond. Who's the favorite to win that championship? And, of course, the big news uh, from last week, Ryan Newman out at Richard Childers Racing at the end of 2018. (laughs) Newman and Richard Childers parting ways. Where does he end up in 2019? We'll talk about that. Your phone call is 917-889-8280 here tonight on Talking Circles. Real quick, John, I want your talk about Brad Keselowski here. Here's a guy, three wins, um, in a row, where does this put him in a championship hunt here as we get ready to go to Richmond? About the same place he was. Um, Brad said it flat out. They're still looking for speed. He won, if you think about it, to win those races, he didn't have any real battle with the big three. Kyle Busch struggled at Vegas. Truex had the uh, air gun and tire issue, the tire that got away, the pit road issue at Darlington. And Harvick wrecked out at Vegas and had an issue on pit road in Darlington. There was no real battle between Brad and the other and the big three. Uh, Brad said himself, they're looking for speed still. Some of the stuff they got was on strategy. I mean, he won last week, not the Vegas race, but the week before because he had fresher tires. This one, he just got a great restart and beat his teammate. Um, And at Darlington, again, it was another tire deal. I think Brad's running good. I think Dave and Truex even said it earlier. He said, whenever Brad used to joke about uh, the rabbit's foot, um, Brad has the rabbit's foot right now that Jimmy Johnson used to always have. Right now, everything's going good for Kozlowski, so that's a good thing for him. Let's see what happens going forward. Richmond's different. Um, The one thing with Richmond, for somebody who's got a chance, who's struggling right now, don't count Denny Hamlin out of this place because it's his backyard, and Denny Hamlin always runs good at Richmond. Um, but Brad Keselowski won the last time they raced there. So it's going to be interesting to see how – I mean, when they raced there last fall. It'll be really interesting to see how this goes. Keselowski's got three in a row. You can't argue with it. But his three in a row aren't like the Kyle Busch three in a row or the Truex three in a row or the Harvick three in a row when it would just go out and dominate the race. Keselowski's gotten good strategy, good restarts at the end, good track position at the end. It's not like he's gone out and dominated anything. Yeah, him and Paul Wolf, and they seem to click on all cylinders with that strategy, and their pit crew has been really, really great this year, too. 917-889-8280. Clinton in Minnesota joins us tonight. Hello, Clinton. What do you want to talk about tonight in Talking Circles? Oh, God, where do we start? <laughs> I'm a fellow blogcaster. Um Grew up raised on racing in Minnesota, you know, back when uh, Minnesota was 
you know, part of the whole big Wisconsin, Illinois, um, the whole scene. And, uh, yeah, you guys uh, have been keeping me entertained through the uh, Midnight Oil as I'm writing my own show. I do my own deal on uh, Blog Talk Radio as well with auto racing. I cover a lot more Indian NHRA and that kind of stuff. But, uh, cool. yeah, I mean, when we're talking silly season – and uh John, you you intrigue me when you talk about T V package and how uh cable channels alienate the uh uh crowd from having access to it. And I remember back when they made it a big deal that the Brickyard four hundred is moving to ESPN after it was a Saturday mainstay on ABC network where everyone could get it. I Oh, God, you guys, I don't even know where to start. Well, Clinton, it's good to have you on the show. We appreciate it. Um, yeah, one of the things you, I mean, I look at it is you hear the, one of the big things, there's money coming in from the TV networks, and they're paying NASCAR a boatload of money to have the coverage package. The problem is the advertisers aren't getting the eyes on the TVs that they were getting before. I mean, you look at it, there was, uh, I forget, it was a couple of weeks ago, Fox put the truck race on Big Fox. On the Thursday. cup race was on um, NBCSN, and the truck race got a better rating than the cup race because it was yes. on the big network. And yep. you look at it, NASCAR uh, went and they, as the Francis always do, they take every dollar they can as fast as they can get it. They took the $20 million a year for Monster to sponsor the the Cup Series. You need $30 million a year to run a team. So how are you going out there and getting $30 million a year sponsors say, okay, I'm going to sponsor your team for $30 million a year. Uh, but wait, I can have the whole series for $20 million? And you wonder why here it is getting to be – Mid, mid to late September, nothing out of the Hendrick Motorsports camp of who Jimmy Johnson's new sponsor is going to be. Nothing <laughs> you know, coming this up. This is what, what's, been crazy about, what's been crazy about all this, too, is I, I'm listening to your guys' show over the months, ever since I joined Blog Talk and started my own deal, because one of the uh, major radio networks, sports networks, um, guys told me that you need your own outlet. And I was like, I need my own outlet. And, um, <laughs> um, yeah. And when you talk about, uh, the, the, the tickets that fill the seats in the stands, they got little to nothing to do with, um, the profits and the, you know, uh, where, uh, the drivers actually get paid. And I mean, the, the purse payout versus the investment to run a team. Uh, if you, if monster energy wants to jump on the side of Kyle and Kurt Bush. Okay, cool. Um, there's their, couple of billboards running around the track and then uh, as a title sponsor um there's the big advertisement i yeah it's a 
that 20 or 30 million that it takes to run a competitive team throughout the year, uh, that team does not make the money back. Not even close. Um, And Clinton, as you were saying about it, let's go back and do the math of things about the purses. If I remember right, one of the last years that NASCAR advertised what the purse was, and they said at the end of the season uh, what Jimmy Johnson won for his seventh championship, I think a grand total for his purse and the bonus money for being the cup champion was $11.2 million. And if you're winning 11.2 million, I mean, what business sense does it make? I'm going to spend 30 million to an 11.2. And that's where right now NASCAR is so screwed up with the business model that I don't know how they're going to get around it. They have to tear the whole thing up as soon as, I mean, and they're in the middle of a five-year agreement with the tracks that these tracks have these races and this is what's going to happen. And that's what everybody's going to do. Whenever that five-year deals up NASCAR, if they're smart and I've never accused that of happening, NASCAR has to tear up everything, start the business model from scratch, especially keep looking forward. Roger Penske's 81. Jack Roush is 80. Rick Hendrick is 77. I mean, the only car owner under the age of 60 right now is Tony Stewart, and Tony Stewart isn't the money behind it. Gene Haas is, and Gene's in his 60s. You look at Barney Visser, who built himself an operation um, bought the chassis and stuff, worked a deal with Toyota, got himself a championship, started from a part-time starting park team, built himself up, got a championship, and here they are defending their championship, and they've already got pink slips out to everybody saying, okay, at the end of this season, we're done. Because Barney Visser wasn't yeah, going to put $10 million of his money into making that team competitive. Once you get to the top of the mountain, you don't want to suck. So Barney's like, okay, I'm right down in the sunset. I don't know if you guys. What are you saying, Clay? Bob Hockers had a had a real interesting article uh, this week or a couple weeks ago about uh, BK Racing and and BK obviously with the whole sale of their charter and the sale of their race team, a lot of the information that they have as far as how much money they bring in via certain outlets is now public. And Hockers and I can't find it right now. The exact amounts, but Pockers brought it out about how much they make per person income per race uh, here in 2018, and, and it was about six or eight races he had, and I went and looked at the six and eight races that were in 2018 compared to the last time we saw person amounts posted in 2015, and it's exactly the same, and that was my problem with this whole thing. Um, you know, when you go look and this is the truth. Go look at the purse from 2005 to 2015. It's not much different. And I think that's where, you know, the purse – and I'm not trying to say that, um, you know, the racetracks are at cost for this. I, I just think there, there needs to be more money to these race teams, whether it comes from NASCAR or the racetracks or both, um, to put into these race teams. Because these race teams are our lifeblood. That's ultimately – they're ultimately the people who hold the cars. I mean – no disrespect to Mike Harmon, but will we really be entertained watching Brad Keselowski run around in Mike Harmon's stuff? No, we, we want him to run in the best equipment possible. And the only way that's possible is if these owners are getting paid money and making in this good business uh, model behind it. And the business model has to change. I think these charters have not done what they've been intended to do. You look at uh, 
the 78 team, for example, and, and BK Racing, and even Tommy Baldwin got out a cup last year. You know, I don't think these charters are really doing a whole lot as far as helping the bottom line of these race teams. Maybe they're getting a little bit more than what they did when they sold. I don't know if BK Racing would have sold for $2 million um, or at least gotten $2 million for that race team because of the equipment's old and a lot of the stuff they use is old. So I don't think they would have gotten $2 million, so that's a little bit of an income. But as far as actually having a charter, and if you want to build a race team like a team like Front Row Motorsports or something like that, are they really making that much of more money under the charter system than they did under the old system? I just don't see it. So I think instead of – I think these charters we really need to look at, and we need to sit there and go, let's figure out something to get these teams more income. And it was a good start, but I think they totally need to, to go back to the drawing board and figure out something different and maybe keep the charters where they are but figure out a different income process for these charters because I don't think it's really helping anything right now. Well, Clayton, I found the uh, BK Racing bankruptcy filings that Pockers put up. Uh, they finished 20th at Texas, got 135 grand, 31st at Bristol, 86, 35th at Richmond, 78, 24th at Talladega, 109, 30th at Richmond, 97, 29th at Kansas, 86, All-Star finished 14th, got 20, 28 grand. Charlotte, they finished 31st, 104, Pocono, 33rd, 79, Michigan, 31st, 83, and Sonoma, 30th, 85. Well, let's let's look at what goes into that. You, they don't issue hard cards from NASCAR. You buy the hard card. It's not like, okay, here you go. Remember, you have to pay an entry fee to race. Pay your licensing fee to get everything from NASCAR. You have to drive your truck. You have to have your equipment. You have to get your pit crew there. You have to get hotels for your pit crew. I'm thinking with all that goes in there, your tire bill, your the engine lease, the backup engine lease, I don't know if they're actually even breaking even finishing 20th or worse. I don't know if, I mean, you're, you look, it costs probably about 130, 100 $50,000 a week to race with everybody you have to bring to the show, the travel to and from hotels, to and from engine lease, backup engine lease, getting the car, the transporter, the gas to get there, paying for the hard cards for everybody. I don't know if they're breaking even just on purse for finishing 20th or worse. Add in the extra day at Andy. Oh, hell there were people. People were struggling to find hotel rooms going on there at Indy. I mean, crazy how screwed up this business model is. And I know Clayton and I have talked about this a lot. Um, Clayton, what do you do? You have anything you want to bring up when it comes to the actual racing? I mean, I can I can bitch about the business model until the cows come home. I could say how screwed up NASCAR is until I turn sixty-five, and then wait for Social Security to come in because. I mean, Clayton and I, Clayton and I have joked throughout this year that me, Clayton, and Lee in Virginia, one of our normal callers, could probably end up buying a charter and running a team for what we have because that's how much it's worth anymore. Well, and that's the whole thing about the whole charter system that you know originally what they they said that a charter is worth a half a million bucks, you know, going into it. Now, a lot of people don't realize that um, the number nineteen that was started up by Gibbs for Carl Edwards um, didn't have the guaranteed starting spot. 
by the way, when did the uh, number of cars start to fall off? It was when the charter system started. And um, now what pisses me off is that so many trucks were required to invest godzillion dollars and make sure that they had 43 pit stalls and enough garage stalls for 43 cars. And then it got cut down to 40 cars that 40 cars weren't even showing up for. Um, And that hurt the track owners. Well, granted, you know, the big two, um, ISC and... uh, Speedway Motorsports. SMI. Yes, sir. And um, Yeah, that's a good point. It's all falling apart. And when you got a 36-car field, a 37-car field, because 36 cars are guaranteed on charter. Um, by the way, you guys know that uh, Michael Waltrip actually owns the 19 as far as uh, yes, charter stuff. charter. Yes. Yeah. And um, it just it, – it, somebody's got to press the reset button on that. Somebody does because uh, – uh, there's there's no opportunities for uh, new guys. Yeah. You bring up a great point about the racetracks, and I'll touch on your second point in a second, but about the racetracks, you know, I remember not too long ago, probably 10, 15 years ago at Max, Dover had 42 pit stalls, and that was a big knock against them because two teams had to share pit stalls, and they finally invested the money and put the money into the track to make a 43rd pit stall. North Wilkesboro, for example, when that track went out in, in 1996, uh, the big knock on that team on that racetrack was, well, they only got 36 pit stalls. We're kind of above 36 car, cars right now. Well, now we're back down to that. So it's, you're, you're absolutely right. You know that uh, about well, look at the way the they revamped that. Bristol. Look at the way they revamped Martinsville. Right. Um, and um, yeah. now when you look at a track that might have – uh, one or two of the big series coming back to it, Nashville. Um, oh, <laughs> thank please. God they didn't go so. and sink the money in there um, mm-hmm. when it um, when it would have mattered. Um, well, one of the <laughs> things, whatever you're talking about, it, Clinton, when it comes to the tracks and everything, when it, that stuff. Yeah, they invested a little bit to uh, add a pit stall at Dover, and that's great. They also whenever things were riding high and mighty, I remember going to Dover whenever I was 10, 11 years old, it was 45, 50,000 seats. By the time I was 35, 40 going to Dover, there was 125,000 seats. Guess what? Dover for the last five years has been taking seats away because they can't fill them. And part of that is because a, the racing package hasn't been good for a long time. B, People aren't interested. It used to be you'd wa- Sunday you would watch NASCAR because it would be there. You wouldn't have to look for it. Now you're searching. You don't know. I mean, I still don't know where Fox Sports 1 is on my TV unless I hit the microphone button and say Fox Sports 1. I don't know what channel it is. <laughs> I, honest to God, do not know the number of Fox Sports 1 on my TV. i got eight bajillion channels, and you're on a cable channel where the only thing you watch on Fox Sports 1 is NASCAR. It's not one of those things that pop in your head. 
So I have if I didn't have the damn microphone button on my remote, I'd be screwed. I'd spend 15 minutes looking for it. By then, I'd say, screw it. I'm going to go cut the grass. There's Where so many things from? that come to the track. Uh, when you go to, like, when you're looking at uh, how the series goes and how the tracks go, and I've talked about this before, I was at Fort Leavenworth. I worked for the Army on a regular basis. I was out there for a class of finding high-performing teams. So we went to Kansas Speedway. There are 16 full-time employees at Kansas Speedway. I love there are that 300, There are 300 part-time employees who come in on race weekend to sell hot dogs, sell T-shirts, park cars, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. They, could, they could run five races a year, not sell a ticket, not sell a T-shirt, not do nothing, pay the same purse because ISC owns 50% of the casino outside of the second turn. ISC yep. is making money. Speedway Motorsports is making money. You watch at Richmond this week, they're going to debut that $50 million infield fan experience. How good is that $50 million fan experience if nobody shows up? Because they've been cutting seats at Richmond as well. They redone Phoenix. They redid Daytona. How many seats did they take away from Daytona, Clayton? A good 50,000. Because you used to get... 150, 200,000 because the back straight, the back stretch was great seats. That's gone. I mean, they made them water on the front stretch, but they cut the hell out of seats. So there aren't as many people paying to see the race. You try to go to a race, try to go to, try to go to Bristol. It's not like the seats aren't available anymore. You still can't get a damn hotel under 500 bucks tonight. Yep. So it's no matter what, they, they're okay. We're making the fan experience great. We're going to spend $150 million to make the fan experience better at Richmond. It's going to be the same race. They haven't done anything to the track, they haven't done anything to improve the product. You still have to go find NBCSN. It's just a pain in the ass. It doesn't get any better. What part of the states are you guys from? Northeast. Northeast? Yeah, I'm okay. outside of Boston, yes, Clayton's, in, Clayton's down in uh, lovely No Left Turn land. <laughs> yeah, I've been to uh, uh, Kansas, and I actually really, really like that um, setup there, um, especially the uh, elevators. <laughs> That's a nice touch. And then the uh, underground or under uh, whatever you want to call it, walkway to the fan zone and all that. It's awesome. I mean, and I I think the traffic plan completely rocks. Well, hell, but, remember uh, Kansas was built in the field with nothing there, and now look at it. There's a whole city around it. Well, hey, Clinton, thank you very much for calling in. Uh, give us a buzz back another time. Uh, we appreciate you calling in. Got a lot, of the, a lot of other stuff we need to get to. All right, you guys. Put me on the uh, queue so I can just uh, listen in to the show on my phone. You got it. Thank you. Clinton from Minnesota um, brought up a lot of good points here, but for sure, a um, lot, lot of stuff to talk about there. But uh, let's talk about Las Vegas here, John, and get back to Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Because last year won a third race, as we said, a lot, of chase con- a lot of chase contenders. Here I go again. A lot of playoff contenders having issues at 
Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Um, we saw Kevin Harvick blow right front tire, take on Eric Jones. Clint Boyer had some issues. Um, kind of a wild start to these playoffs here, John. And, and Las Vegas is a track that, when you think about it, and you saw that race on a schedule, you, did, you kind of looked at it and said, well, it's a mile and a half track. Really not that big of an issue to – you didn't think it was going to cause too big of an issue with this play, with these playoffs. Like, well, it's a mile and a half track. Uh, one of the big three is probably going to win. And then all of a sudden, everything changes there. So kind of a crazy, crazy week one to these playoffs. Well, one of the things I was reading Jeff Gluck before we went on the air tonight, one of the things Jeff Gluck brought up is – Vegas is your typical mile-and-a-half track on a regular basis, but one of the things that was the big problem for this one is it was not a great date for Las Vegas. Vegas likes to have their nightlife. They want the people in the casinos at night. They want to get them all liquored up and all that good stuff, but they want the race during the day. And the ambient temperature at Las Vegas Motor Speedway was right about 95 Put about 155 in the car. So the tires, I mean, they're running speeds that they haven't run in temperatures that they haven't run because normally Vegas is a March race, the first one. So it's the first time they've run it in September when it's really hot. And the tires couldn't keep up with it. I mean, you look, Harvick was as critical as you could be with Goodyear because of the tires they brought. And it wasn't the only, Harvick wasn't the only one who had a tire issue. So there was a tire issue partially because it was so hot. The fans, I mean, Jeff Gluck said flat out there were, when he walked from the press box to the infield about 80 laps to go, how many people were sitting on the ground with their heads in their hands and wet towels on their necks and faces because they were red overheated. And some of them, he said, even looked like they were suffering because the temperatures were so hot. It wasn't, it isn't a great, great weekend for the race. It was great for Vegas to start it. Vegas is going to stay in the playoffs. They need to move to October, November, because it's just too damn hot for those folks to be out there. They're putting in a night race, and you, but you're right about the nightlife. Nobody would show up. Yeah, it's an it was an interesting race. I think from that standpoint, it's just it's amazing how much that racetrack changed by, by the temperature. You know, we go to Las Vegas normally in March. Everybody's got their setups based basically on what we had there in March, and Sure, it's September and it's not the mid, you know, July heat there, but it's still very, very hot. It's the beginning of September. It's still, still technically summer. Um, you know, maybe that race, like you said, move into October and uh, November situation, and uh, you know, it'll be a little bit more of what we see in March. But I like the fact that they're different races. I like the fact this weekend. If two teams, I think, for a big, big curveball, um, you know, maybe air pressures were a little bit played a little bit different. I think Goodyear kind of got uh, a little bit thrown off, too, as well with their tire situation. I think they brought the same exact tire they run there in a March race. And as we, as we discussed, you know, the temperatures were completely different. It was a completely different racetrack than what we see um, at Las Vegas in March. So it's, I think it could totally, totally change the game there uh, as far as that's concerned. Of all the drivers, John, who had issues this week, uh, which one do you think is in the biggest – um, has, is the, big, the one who really needs to, to step it up here in, in these next two races. you got Richmond, and then you got that real big wild card, just the Robo at Charlotte. Um, which one of these guys who had issues at Las Vegas really needs a strong run here at Richmond on Saturday night? 
actually the guy who I think um, probably needs the strongest run isn't, he's probably one of the few who survived. And that's Austin Dillon. Austin Dillon sucks at Richmond. And like you said, that Roval is going to be a wild card. I think Jimmy Johnson will make his way through and have a great race, a strong race at Richmond. I think Denny Hamlin will have a strong race at Richmond. Kevin Harvick, one of the things about building those bonus points up is he had enough that he could finish 39th and still be fourth in points. Um, I think Eric Jones needs to have a really good race at Richmond. Uh, Chase Elliott should have a good race at Richmond. Uh, and he won the last road course, so you're hoping that things will play out and it's the classic you can have one bad race rule and hopefully somebody else will. Um, I still think the same four that we thought weren't going to make it uh, probably won't. I don't think Austin Dillon's going to make it. I don't think Bowman's going to make it through. I don't think William, I mean, um, Eric Jones is going to make it through. And I forget who the hell I said the fourth one was going to be that wasn't going to make it through. But I think I'm sticking with the same four. I think Boyer will come back from this. He runs good at Richmond. I think uh, Kurt Busch will run good at Richmond. Kyle Busch, I mean, he survived. He did not have a good car, but survived with a ninth-place finish. Truex had the best car of the day. He had a great long-run car. Just at the end of the day, it was short runs, and Brad had the best short-run car on the track. Um, Harvick had a great car. He drove himself up to the front. He was up there contending throughout the thing. Blaney salvaged a good day because he was struggling at times. So, I mean, I think you're – you're going to see the normal cream rise, rise to the top, and you're going to see the Austin Dillons, the Alex Bowmans, the ones who made it in because, I mean, Dillon because he won, but the other three because of points. I don't think they're going to make it through, but Denny Hamlin's the one out of the bunch who I think will have a strong run this one because it's Richmond and he always runs great at his home track. Yeah, and he needs a win. He hasn't won yet this year. He's won, I think, every year – He's been in the Cup Series. He's gone to Victory Lane at least once. Getting late in the year, you know, nine races to go now, and he hasn't done it yet. And we've talked about the 11 team being a little bit off. Maybe a win like that can propel him to, uh, you know, run better in the weeks coming up and, and maybe pull off a couple more wins uh, that we didn't expect from that 11 team. And, and no, no better for him to get better than at Richmond International Raceway, as you discussed. The Xfinity Series, uh, they ran also at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Um, it was a race that was won and, and dominated by Ross Chastain, who had a really good run at, Dar- at Darlington, goes out here at Las Vegas, uh, gets his first career Xfinity Series win dr- driving for Chip Ganassi Racing in the 42 car, DC Solar Chevrolet. Going to be in it again this weekend at Richmond. Um, what were your thoughts on Chastain? You know, Jackie, Jack Root was funny because he, um, you know, was, was filling in for Pat Patterson on the morning show on, on Saturday and Sunday this week on Series 6 and NASCAR radio, and uh, said this is a win for the little guy, the win for the independent, uh, the win for those people who have the talent but maybe not the dollars behind them. Um, certainly, I, I think you can look at it that way, but then you look at it and you hear the news story coming out after the show, after the race, after the win, and Victor Lane at Chastain was running the race for free, these races at Chip Ganassi Racing. He's not getting paid to run these races. So you say, well, yeah, you're right. It's a win for the little guy, but it's a win for the little guy if you have the money to, to live off of because you don't get paid anything for running at a big team like Ganassi. It's kind of a, it was kind of uh, a bittersweet win when you come out as far as you're looking at it from a little guy's standpoint because you go, 
man, that could be me, but you realize that Chastain isn't making any money. Well, the funny part is how this came about. Um, good story on NBC NASCAR from Daniel McFadden that they were at Auto Club Speedway and Ross Chastain was getting ready to drop, get into the 15 for premium motorsports for practice. And he heard a guy yell from him from behind. And Chastain turns around and says, hi, how you doing, sir? The man said, I'm Jeff Karpoff. Jeff Karpoff, the co-founder and CEO of DC, uh, DC Solar. And they were talking for a few minutes. And Ross Chastain, some of the things he does on the side to get himself to the racetrack and keep things going, he'll drive other people's haulers to get to the track. And he's done, driven the DC Solar Motorhome to the track a few times, this spring in Martinsville, for example. And after they talked, Karpoff said, I want you to know we're going to try to do something for you. We don't know what, we don't know how, and don't know how it's going to work out this year. It might be down the road, but we like what you do, and we really like to be part of what you're doing and want you to be part of our family. That's one of the coolest stories I've seen in NASCAR in a long, long time, where here's this guy who's busting his ass, driving crap equipment. I mean, not that Johnny, I, Johnny Davis does the best with the resources he has, but Johnny Davis equipment and premium motorsports equipment is never going to contend for championships. It's not going to win, not going to lead 180 out of 200 laps like Ross Chastain did this past Saturday, but because of a chance meeting in the infield, the guy from DC Solar said, hey, put him in the car. And it could have been, they could have said, hey, well, if he didn't meet him, they could say, okay, John Hunter Nemechek, you want to run the car for three races? Go ahead. And I still think Ross Chastain probably got a couple bucks out of it, even though Jack Root said he, I think, winning the race, I think Ganassi's going to throw him a bone or two. And don't be surprised. Something could come out of this down the road. Ross Chastain has shown that you put him in good equipment, he can run well. And who knows, John Hunter Nemechek may not be the 42's uh, part-time driver next year. It may be Ross Chastain with the way he's run. Yeah, and listen, there's no doubt, and Ganassi was on with Claire B. tonight on SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. There's no doubt he's opened some eyes, Chastain, here. It's it's very obvious that this kid can drive a, this guy can drive a race car. I liked when he was at Brad Keselowski Racing. I just felt like he needed more than – I think he only got like a, a half a year, maybe a year there um, under his belt, and he was very, very raw. But I felt like if he stayed another year with that organization, he would have really took off. Um, and he's really – listen, and this is a guy, I think, another win for a team like JD Motorsports. And I might get off a little bit off topic here, but it bothers me when I hear people say, I'm only going to take rides that I can win in when you're in a situation like Ross Chastain's in, where you want to build your reputation, build your resume. Um, you know, I can understand a guy, let's say if Denny Hamlin loses a ride or, or Casey Kane, for example, listen, I don't want to run in stuff I can't win. And okay, you've proven yourself, you made plenty of money. If you don't want to run in stuff you don't want to win, win in, that's fine. Um, but if you're a driver just trying to get your feet established, that's how it works. Um, and so, this just shows you that all those years of running at Johnny Davis, all those years of putting on the hard work has paid off for him. And I think there's no, nothing more valuable than seat time. Always has been, always will be in my eyes. 
especially with these racetracks in the Cup Series. You don't really run on them uh, any other racetrack. You don't really run on these racetracks in other series. Maybe you run at New Hampshire if you're in the Modifieds and, and stuff like that. But you don't run Kansas Speedway, really, the actual configuration of Kansas Speedway, unless you're in NASCAR. So to get your feet wet, um, I think you have to run NASCAR. And, and Chastain's been there for four years. He knows these racetracks very, very well. And it just shows you the student he is, how, how close he pays attention. And he's run, he runs as many races as he can. I see, we saw him in Premium Motorsports' truck this weekend. We saw him in, in uh, a Nice Motorsports' truck a couple of weeks ago. We, saw, we see him in a truck series. We see him in Premium Motorsports in a cup series. He's running as many races as he possibly can, and he's learning as much as he possibly can. I think that's huge for his growth in this series. So that's another thing I think. You know, when you hear drivers who sit there and go, well, I'm not going to take a, thing, a ride unless I can win in it, well, that's not the way it goes. You know, you have to work your way up through it. So um, I, that's another win, I think, for a team like Johnny Davis Motorsports. Well, you also – the thing is, you look at the other approach. Let's look at Ryan Priest. He ran for Johnny Davis for a year and didn't set the world on fire. He was 20th or 30th most of the time. And he figured, okay, I'll go run my modified. I can win there. And saved up the money that he could get and turned it into six races at Joe Gibbs Racing. Did Ryan Priest make his name in the year for Johnny Davis? Or did Ryan Priest make his name in the six races he run in Joe Gibbs Racing equipment that he basically bought? He bought those rides so he could get in good stuff. And Ryan Priest made a name for himself. And if the rumors hold true, he could end up being the driver of the number 47 in 2019. Speaking of which, you know, you bring me to a great topic because it's silly season, right? I mean, it's that time of year, and, and you talk about Priest in the 47, that is certainly a possibility. Read that in multiple places. Um, but the big news of the silly season this week, John, was Ryan Newman. Um, you and I came here a week ago and said, you know, there was – at that point, a rumor that Newman might not be back at Richard Childress Racing, and we both agreed that, at least I did, I said I would be shocked if, if he left Richard Childress Racing. You said Richard Childress Racing needs to lock up Ryan Newman because he's the best driver they have. Well, right now the two are parting ways at the end of the 2018 season. Newman's going to go elsewhere. We can discuss that, uh, where he's going to go in a little bit. But first of all, what are your thoughts on this as far as Richard Childress Racing is concerned and Ryan Newman? They've been together five years. You know, it's it's crazy to think about. This is Newman's fifth year at the 31 car. And I asked a, a race fan and a friend of mine, how many races do you think Newman's won at Richard Childress Racing? How many races, John, do you think Newman's won at Richard Childress Racing? One. He's won one race at Richard Childress Racing. So as much as we talk about the tenure of Newman and Richard Childress Racing not being too bad, he's won one race there, which is really hard to believe. What were your thoughts when you first read this that Newman was leaving RCR at the end of the year? Um, the way it's going right now, it didn't surprise me. And part of it is your philosophy of the way the package should be next year, where it's taking a lot of the driver out and you put a monkey in and it'll be okay. Um, I think Newman brings a lot to a team. And if the rumors are par- partially correct, I mean, Jack Rouse said he's talked to a few guys about the six car and I'll bet money. Ryan Newman's one of them, but I, the one thing that was interesting to me was Ryan Newman comes out Friday and says, he's not going to be at Richard Childress racing next year. 
And then Richard Childers comes out Saturday and says, yeah, we released him a month ago. So it's like, yep. okay. Ryan Newman says, I'm not going to be back. Thank you for everything. And Richard Childress is like, no, we told him go away a month ago. Why? <laughs> Why would you do such a thing? You have a guy being graceful, being thankful for the opportunity that he had. And then it's like, no, we told him I, he's done a month ago. I mean, that's – I'll tell you why. I don't get it. Well, I think here's what it is, honestly, and, and I don't mean to speculate on a team's uh, financial situation at all, and I have and I have talked about this at length, and, again, I've, I've had people to deny this wholeheartedly, but I think the package has a lot to do with it, and I think the driver's salary has a lot to do with this. I think Ryan Newman wants to get paid. He comes from the era of – uh, race car drivers here in 2002, we started where a driver's salary, and rightfully so, was extremely high. And um, now I think these salaries are starting to take a little bit of a dip here. And especially with the young drivers, you look at what Hendrick did with William Byron and, and, and Alex Bowman uh, getting rid of Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Jeff Gordon, two very, very good race car drivers, but two highly priced race car drivers as well. And Jr. came out last year, so these drivers are undercutting us by a sixth of the salary we make. Um, and I think with the package next year, you're not really going to have to worry about experience. So maybe you look at a guy like, oh, I don't know, Daniel Hemrick, who won't make nearly the same amount of money as Ryan Newman will, and there's not a whole ton of sponsorship on that 31 for next year. So you say, well, I don't want to pay Ryan Newman a ton of money if he's only going to matter for about 16 races next year. I'll put Ryan Priest in it and pay him a sixth of what Ryan Newman makes, and Newman can go get his money elsewhere. See, I, I, and now I have that philosophy, and I have the philosophy of what you just brought up about Jack Roush. We know what Roush Fenway Racing has been recently. It has not been the type of, type of organization that they're used, to become, they're used to, and they've had a lot of success you know, 10, 15 years ago. I think they're desperate enough for that sixth car to go out and make a huge – huge payment to Ryan Newman to go out and get a driver like Ryan Newman and say, please help us. You know, Matt Kenseth doesn't want to run full-time. You can run full-time. You're a marketable driver. Our marketing team seems to be very, very good because they seem to continue to get Stenhouse sponsorship. They continue to seem to have funding on that six car, even though Bain's leaving with his money. So help us out. We'll pay you whatever you want. Help us out. Get our, our race cars back to where they need to be to win races. Denhouse is there, who's performed okay this year, and will go together with a two-car operation, maybe put Matt, Matt in a third car if he wants to next year as well. I definitely see that happening. And, and again, you know, these drivers are looking out for each other. I truly believe that. I think that's why Kurt Busch left Gene Haas and Stuart Haas Racing and went to Chip Ganassi Racing, because I think he's looking at the salary going, I can make more money at Chip Ganassi. I think part of the reason why Newman is leaving Richard Childress Racing is because he's going – I can make more money at Rash Fenway because they're a little bit more desperate for my services. Uh, it's fascinating, this whole situation with these rule packages. And we don't know what the rule package is going to be. I, I hear they're going to announce it here in the next week or two. Uh, but we don't know what, exactly what it's going to be. But if it's anything like what we saw at Charlotte in the All-Star Race, I think that is what these owners are looking at saying, we don't really have to pay our drivers a ton of money. We'll bring up our guys from the Xfinity Series. But the thing about Hemrick, John, is that he's not only mentioned – with the 31, he's mentioned with the 95 as well. Yeah, um, I think it's one that was interesting today is uh, Eris said that they are willing to 
pay about five million bucks for wherever uh, Daniel Suarez goes because they're still under contract to Joe Gibbs. So they could end up being on a second car uh, sponsoring Daniel Suarez wherever he ends up going after they make the official announcement that Truex is in the 19th. Um, I look at it, Kurt Busch pretty much has said unofficially next year's will be his last year in Cup. Kurt Busch still wants to race. He wants to do a GT series or road racing, something like that. If I'm going anywhere where I can get myself in a road racing car, I'm going to Chip Ganassi or I'm going to Roger Penske. And Kurt Busch already built the burnt the Penske Bridge, so Chip Ganassi's a place to go. Chip Ganassi runs Fords in the GT series. That could be Kurt Busch's. He'll do this year for Chip to help get the one back on its sails and be a placeholder until he finds who he wants to put in the one car down the road and then go to Chip's GT series car for his future as he gets to do road racing and stuff like that. There are some interesting scenarios going out there. Gene Haas said um, at um, Las Vegas, he doesn't really want to bring Cole Custer up. He doesn't think he's ready. He hasn't found anybody out there that's like, oh, wow, I got to offer that guy a contract. But he also says Ford is paying them to have four cars on the track. So somebody is going to be in the 41. We don't know who that's going to be. I'm still saying it's being really, really quiet. Look out for Christopher Bell. It's possible. I mean, it depends what Joe Gibbs wants to do. I mean, now that you got five teams, you got to keep Truex happy too as well. And now you look at, at, at what Joe, Joe Gibbs Racing has as far as a driver lineup. You know, not only do you have four drivers, it seems, out of the Joe Gibbs Racing Stables, but you're going to have five in the Cup Series next year uh, because the 78 shutting down and then you're moving Truex into the 19. Then you got Bush, Hamlin, um, and uh, Eric Jones in the 20. And then your guy in Daniel Suarez as well, Joe Gibbs Racing Car, maybe in the 95 potentially, um, or Christopher Bell. Listen, I don't, I don't think Daniel Hemrick's a bad race car driver. I'm not trying to, to say that at all, but I, I find it hard to believe that Toyota and Joe Gibbs Racing would go out and grab Daniel Hemrick for that 95 car if they have Christopher Bell waiting and he's only a year away. Uh, Bell confirmed, I believe, to – I think it was Pockers. If I'm wrong on that, I apologize. Maybe Jeff Cluck that he will return to the Xfinity Series next season uh, in the same capacity he's in this year. Now, that wasn't a very highly publicized tweet that they had, but that was confirmed. Um, And now maybe he's saying that. I mean, listen, I come from – there was an example a few years ago. Christopher Chris Buescher, after he won the Xfinity Series championship, said at the end of November, right before uh, Thanksgiving holiday, hey, as far as I know, I'm in the Xfinity Series next year. And then – like December 2nd, he was announced in the Cup Series full-time for the 34 car. So anything can happen. I mean, you know, that's the way I look at it. So maybe you're on to something with Christopher Bell. I don't know because, to me, you're not putting Daniel Hemrick, another young driver who's a good young driver, in that 95 car if Christopher Bell is waiting in the wings because then you create another additional log jam at the 95 when you could just push Bell up for another year, maybe – I mean, would Hemrick take a Joe Gibbs Racing Xfinity ride over um, a, a Richard Childress Racing Xfinity ride? Possibly. Uh, and then you have Matthew Benedetto, who threw his name out in the hat and says, I want to be like Ryan Priest. I want to be like uh, Daniel Hemrick. I want to be like these guys, Ross Chastain, who 
get in these big-time rides and prove themselves. I've been in the Cup Series now for four full-time years. Uh, he's not coming back with Go Fast Racing at the end of the year. He wants to prove himself, and Di Benedetto's name's out there as well. So a lot of things moving on. I mean, what about like a guy like Jamie McMurray? You also have GMS coming to Cup. What about a guy like Jamie McMurray, John? Where do you think McMurray goes? Uh, he got the offer for Chip Ganassi to, to um, come back and, and as a as a executive role for that team and run the 19, 2019 Daytona 500, uh, but we haven't heard whether or not he's accepted that. But what do you think McMurray's future is? Well, the rumor that I'm hearing is um, McMurray's going to GMS. GMS is going to probably buy the 78 charter, and they're going to try to go cup racing with Chevy under the Joe Gibbs, I mean, with the uh, Hendrick power and all that stuff like they're doing right now in trucks and Xfinity. When it comes to the 95, though, if it's going to be Toyota, and I'm Gibbs, and I'm helping Levine Family Racing out, Levine Family could use all the sponsorship they can get. I'm trying to push Daniel Suarez into that car. Because if if Eris is looking to put $5 million into Daniel Daniel Suarez to make sure he has a decent ride, that's $5 million that – excuse me, um, Levine Family Racing isn't getting right now. Um, McMurray would be a decent guy in the 23, or, I mean, not the 23, in the uh, GMS car, whatever number it's going to end up being. McMurray would be a good placeholder to help get it started. But he's not, I mean, that's not the guy who I would go with. I mean, you look at the way he's always been, it seems like no matter what car he's in, he's never been the top dog at his organization. Whenever he was at Ganassi, the, or back when it was Felix Sabatis, before it was Ganassi, Sterling, Mar- Sterling Marlin was the guy over there whenever he was driving number 40 Coors Light car. And McMurray had the Texaco sponsorship. He filled in for Sterling, won the race, but he really didn't do much. And then he goes to Roush, and he's the fifth guy in the wheel. He goes back to Ganassi, and he never was. Maybe one year he had a good run at Ganassi, but it was always Juan Pablo Montoya or it was Larson who was the top dog over there. He could never run as good as his teammate. So that's not who I'm going to build a team around is Jamie McMurray. Maybe it, maybe GMS is a player in the Newman sweepstakes. Newman's somebody I'd build a team around to get started, get your engineering put together, get, um, get your cars right as you're building. I wouldn't mind starting with Newman. I don't think I'd start with Jamie McMurray. Interesting. I, I, You know, and this is – here's my bold statement for the silly season, and I'm going to say this, and I think a lot of people are going to disagree with this. And um, this is how I truly feel, and this is how high on this guy I am. If I'm Jack Roush, and I'm not trying to, to say Ryan Newman's not a good race car driver because I think he's a very, very good race car driver. But from what I've seen from Ross Chastain the last two, two weeks in that 42 car – if I'm Jack Roush, I say to Ross Chastain, come drive my six car, please. We'll have the funding. Just come drive and take your knowledge of what you're learning and, and your talent and everything and come drive my six car, please. That's what I would do. Honestly, you know, Newman's got however long he wants to race. You know, he, he came out this week and he said, I got my wife's blessing, my wife's and kids' blessing to keep on continuing as long as I want to go. And that's great because um, – I think he's a very, very good race car driver, but you could strike lightning, lightning in a bottle here with Chastain, who might be locked up in a big-time team here in the future, in the next couple of weeks, uh, next couple of years, excuse me. So you might get your hands on him right now 
this might be the only time you can grab your get your hands on Ross Chastain with how he's been performing. So um, do it now. That's the way I look at it. Get your hands on that, get him, and put him in that six car. So that's my bold statement for the year. But another interesting fact about Levine family that you talked about with Suarez. Oh, wait, you're not going to let me crap this, on your bold statement? Go ahead. Go crap <laughs> on it. <laughs> He's run two races in a big car. Mm-hmm. Um, he won one, wrecked out of the lead in the, the second other. one. Yes, he's done well. But it's a very, very, very small sample size. Um, it's oh. no different. I mean, and Roush's stuff isn't as good. I mean, you look at the Xfinity series. It's Gibbs, it's, it's Ganassi, it's Penske, and it's Junior Motorsports. And everybody else is fighting for 15th on back. You're not talking it's Roush Ganassi, in that. Though. You're not talking Roush right. in that stuff. You're talking Ganassi, and even when John Hunter Nemechek drives that 42 car, it's competitive. Um, he does not so win he's both in a competitive ride. The races, though. He does not win both and, races like we saw with, with, with Chastain. Oh, I, I'm not disagreeing, not, but it's a competitive ride with John Hunter Nemechek in it. Chastain won. Bubba Wallace has been a decent driver. He did okay. He ran okay for Jack in the Xfinity Series. He's in the top five in points. Didn't win any races, but he was a top five points racer. He won for Kyle Busch in the Truck Series. It's one of those things where you're starting to understand where how good your equipment is is going to be how good you are. And if I'm Ross Chastain and Jack Roush came to me today and said, hey, can you drive my six car? And if Chip Ganassi says, drive the 42 Xfinity series, show yourself, and I'll put you in the one car when Kurt Busch goes forward, staying with Chip Ganassi, because the one car is a better ride than the six or the 17. Same thing I'm looking at with Kurt Busch. He's taking a step down going from the 41 to the one, but that's about money. Right. No, I totally agree with you, John. I think that if if the opportunity is there to drive the 42 full-time next year, absolutely, but – you know, I, I don't think Jack Roush and that Roush Fenway team is at a point right, and they might be in a couple of years, I don't know, but at a point right now where you say nap to it that they won't win any races. We've seen Kenseth perform pretty well in that car this year um, when he's gotten in it. And they, obviously they're still a ways away from winning races and being the old Roush Fenway racing. But uh, if you get two very good young drivers in that race in those race cars – and I still think Stenhouse can win at this level. I know people make, you know, he's a big mockery of the of the jokes and stuff, uh, overdriving his race car. Well, you kind of have to overdrive these race cars. But I don't think the problem at Rash Fenway uh, right now is the drivers. But if you get that Chastain in that six car, I think you know, okay, I got two drivers. Now we can really work on those race cars. No one's the same way, but you could get Chastain at a much cheaper price. And again, this is all speculation because you might have the 42 next year, like you said. And, um, you know, I think you're right. If, if he has a 42 as an option, he should take that. Um, and another interesting scenario, the silly season, Levine family. Rumors coming out. I think Adam Stern had it. Levine family might go to two cars next season. Maybe they, they get Suarez and go out and get Daniel Hemrick. Uh, let's say Hemrick John leaves Richard Childress for whatever reason. Uh, who drives that 31 car next season? Well, see, I was thinking Hemrick would be your person to move up because he's made a very good impression on Brendan, Brendan gone. 
and has run the South Point colors throughout the Xfinity series. Maybe that would go up with them. If anything, if Levine family goes to two cars, which I'm not sure that's going to happen because I haven't seen Toyota say they're going to build six engines. Um, they do have the capacity to, but I haven't seen that they're saying they're going to. Um, I can see um, if somebody goes into the 31, it'd be Ty Dillon. Richard brings him home and puts his grandsons in the cars and goes forward with the 50th anniversary of Richard Childress Racing as a total family deal. That's the only way, that's the only other possibility I could see going in there because I see nobody raising their hand saying, Hey, Richard, let me in, especially after what he did to Newman with this, whenever Newman made the respectful thing saying, Hey, we're, we're parting ways. Thank you for all you've done for me. I've appreciated the last five years. And then the next day Childers comes out and says, Oh no, we told him a month ago he was done. So I think that's pretty piss poor on Childers's part. If anything, if it's not Daniel Hemrick going into that 31 with Brendan gone and South Point sponsored him, I think Ty Dillon comes away from the 13 and maybe Levine Family Racing's buying a 13 charter because Jermaine Racing hasn't really ever done anything and they've had a decent sponsor in Geico paying decent amount of money and they've never really done anything. And especially this year, they should have done something bringing Matt Borland back and they just haven't done anything. It just has been a bad well, year for that 13. They have a really strong uh, association with Richard Childress Racing, that 13 car. And, um, you know, I don't see that team going away, John. I know – I understand what you're saying completely. They're not great. But they have a big-time sponsor there. So you're going to have to fill those shoes somewhere, whether it's Ty Dillon moving to the 31 like a lot of people suggest, which I don't see happening, or somebody driving a 13 to take over that car. Um, somebody from Richard Childress and Richard Childress's organization is going to have to do that. Maybe, maybe they go out and get Jane McMurray to fill that role. Who knows? But you know, I, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be fascinating to watch. And I, I truly believe that these drivers are, are looking out for the best interests of each other and taking the taking their highest paycheck, especially if it's a ride that's a little less or equal to the ride they're currently in, something to be fascinated about. Final thoughts, John, here on the silly season. It's still going to be sillier. Um, Like I said, Kurt Busch is taking a downgrade to go from the 41 to the 1. I mean, you look, they came into the playoffs fourth in the regular season points. They won a race this year. That one hasn't been close to victory lane. 95, I mean, Casey Kane's walking away from it. I mean, you think about the last couple races, Regan Smith's run it. He's run better than Casey Kane did in the 95 car. Um, 31, I don't know who's going to go into it because it's really not that good of a ride. Like we said, Ryan Newman's been in that car for five years, and he's won one race. And Ryan Newman won more at Stuart Haas than he did at Childress Race. He won more in one year at Stuart Haas than he did in five years with Childress. And it's not because Ryan Newman forgot how to drive a race car. Ryan Newman's still the toughest guy to pass on the track. Ryan Newman still gets the most out of his car that you possibly can, and he still brings it home 90% of the time. So it's not Ryan Newman's fault that that 31 sucks. Childress has been behind for a long time, and they haven't gotten any closer. 
I agree. I, I think um, it's going to be really interesting to watch how that team goes about things. Uh, you know, and that's what I'm saying. I, I you know, you're not going to go out and, and pull a big time driver for that 31 car next season. So it's going to be something to keep an eye on as the as the silly season goes on. It's probably going to get sillier, as you said. And I think that rule package makes a big difference. So something to keep an eye on. I've been telling you for three or four weeks now. I'm going to drill it into you until until people say I'm right. That rule pack is something to keep an eye on as the 2019 season approaches. I want to thank John Harlow, Clinton from Minnesota, for calling in tonight. We'll see you next time on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody.